Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the show, the Parent Family Relationship Hour. I am your host, Tom Stevens, a psychotherapist here in Houston, Texas, who specializes in working with children and their families. And I've been in practice for over 20 years now and thought what a great idea it is to bring a talk show live to the world so that I could share the things I've experienced, the things I've learned, and maybe give you a little bit of insight on different topics in today's world that all of us face. And having been a therapist for that long, I've dealt with a lot of families, a lot of youth growing up over the past 20 years, and I've seen almost two generations go by of people growing up, and my, how things have changed since the mid-90s with technology and with Uh, the advent of new communication skills. And so I've been waiting to do a talk show on this topic for a long time and finally found the perfect guest to do it with, the perfect expert to give us a lot of good information and insight. And so today is the day that we finally get to talk about technology and whether it's helping or hurting the youth of today as they grow up in this world. And it could be said either way. But I want to be able to give a lot of good information to you parents out there about the good of technology and the bad, but with a twist, because we're going to talk about communication skills and whether or not children today are growing up and being better able to do a job interview, being better able to have a relationship with a significant other, or are they crippled and are they stymied because of social media? So... Uh, Sit back, relax, call in if you want to. I'm going to give you some critical information now. You want to write it down with a pen or a pencil or text it to yourself with technology today. If you'd like to talk to myself or my special guest, Nicole Dayton, today, you call in at this number, area code 347-838-9737. I'm going to say it again. Write it down, area code 347-838. Three eight nine seven three seven. An operator will come on and says, welcome to the show, and just sit back and listen to it. If you'd like to talk to us, you just push the number one. It will put you into our caller queue, and we will get to you behind the scenes, get your name, and get you on the air as quickly as we can to either ask a question or make a comment because you might have your own opinion or you might have your own question or struggle with Uh, your child or your teenager or your young adult, even in their 20s, about communication and technology and what's happening, and we want to be able to get to you. So, again, 347-838-9737 is the number. To get more information on me and my practice here in Houston, you would go to tomstevens.us. That's tomstevens with a V, dot U.S. as in the United States. Also on Facebook, you can search that out, and we try to do this talk show with really pertinent, relevant uh, topics. And you can go to blogtalkradio.com slash LPC, and you will definitely get a full list of the shows. And they are downloaded uh, through the Apple iTunes Store. So you can get all of these shows on podcasts. And we do shows on dangerous teenage trends. We do shows on marriage. We do shows on children and ADHD or different kinds of disorders. We do shows on... Uh, families and how they communicate and get along. So there are a whole array of shows to do, and we hope to bring you a bunch more this spring uh, so that you can get a lot of good information. So with that said, in thinking of this topic today, I have mulled over a slew of questions to be able to ask our guests today because when it comes to communication, you know, I'm kind of biased. I have my own opinion because I am a therapist and I work with I'll just say children and teenagers a lot. And there are things I see that I know I just have to deal with because society changes and, and we grow up and and we have to learn to accept advancement. But there's a lot of screen time going on out there. There's a lot of kids who are growing up with technology. You know, I don't feel like I'm that old. I have two children. One's 14 and one's 11. But when I was in high school, uh, We had typewriters, so we had typewriting class. Everybody in the class clicking away on their typewriter, learning how to, you know, use the keyboard and all that stuff. 
And kids today really don't even know what a typewriter is unless they watch Back to the Future or some other kind of movie. So things have really changed, and the way we work with screens has changed. And so we have to be able to accept some of that. But I also wonder, as I get more teenagers into my office today, how many of them are um, ill-equipped to be able to have conversation, to be able to communicate feelings? You know, because when we grew up, parents today or grandparents today – grew up, it was really the last generation of face-to-face interaction. And you remember if you're a parent today or a grandparent, especially a parent in my generation, that the thing you adored was to have a home phone, typically of which was in the kitchen, with the longest cord possible where you could stretch it around the corner into another room and hide away to talk to your friends because that was the best privacy you were going to get. Well, now kids have phones on their hips all the time, and and they've got a chance to um, have interaction and conversation 24/7 if we let them. So, I need to bring in an expert, and I need to be in some bring in somebody who will help kind of sort through some of this and go through. My guest today, uh, I'm so excited, is none other than Nicole Dayton. Nicole Dayton has a Bachelor of Arts degree in Secondary Education and Communications, Theater and English. Lots of speech and communication background. She's taught in public school. She's also taught in private school and also uh, right now in a university model school uh, where there are lots of bright children and does a lot of speech communications with them and uh, gets an opportunity, I'm sure, to see children from a wide array of backgrounds. And she has two daughters, and we're going to get to hear about them too, and uh, even her dog, who she says is the best communicator that she knows, uh, does it non-verbally. So it's going to be cool to hear some more of that. So without further ado, I want to bring Nicole onto the air. Nicole, you there? Nicole, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to kind of fire away with you, Nicole, and I'm going to let you have the stage and just kind of tell me based on your your professional background and your personal background, having had a lot of experience with speech and communications, and that's the kind of person I wanted for this, not not a technology expert because I think they would be somebody who would be geared towards all this great technology there is. I want a person who knows relationships and knows how to communicate to really give your opinion. But before you do, tell me a little bit, like you had mentioned to me, your family background. Like who's the makeup of your family, including your dog, and uh, the ages and just, um, yeah, just a little bit about you. Okay. Well, um, I have a husband and I have two daughters, aged 18 and 14. Um, My dog is a special needs little blind dachshund, and she um, is a super listener, um, I'm also one of four sisters. Um, I'm in the middle, and we all communicate a lot with each other. Um, I guess, you know, I just uh, love people and, you know, really enjoy all my relationships with those in my life. And, of course, they're the ones that are most special to me. You have a lot of girls in your I do. family. <laughs> now, do you, I, I'm going to sidetrack, but do you think that makes much difference? I feel so sorry for my wife sometimes because it's me and my two sons, and she's like, I just am living a bunch of uh, amongst a bunch of male like just sounds and voices and what is it? What is it that way with all females too? You know, I feel really blessed to have so many girl relationships in my life. Um, they enrich my life so much. So I guess I am very spoiled and probably don't even recognize it um, because we do, you know, we do share our feelings. We are honest with each other. I feel like um, with both of my girls and my sisters, we're just completely able to express ourselves. So I'm sure that sometimes for men we're a little hard to understand. Um, But for us we have a very close bond because of that. So, you know, that's just the worldview I've kind of always been in. So, I try really hard and pray really hard to understand boys and men and things like that, but, you know, I think it's a challenge for all of us. Okay, so with that said, you've got all these girls in your house. I've got guys in my house. From your opinion as a speech communications teacher, do you think the communication around your house would be different than the communication around – does it have to do with the gender that's around 
Does it have to do with the type of personalities they have? Because lots of people say girls are chatty. They just communicate all the time. Guys stay quiet. They don't really just do anything but grunt and moan. And so what do you think? You know, I think it's probably both. Um, I know girls that aren't real talkative, and I know boys that are very open and confident in visiting. So, I'm, I need to unmute. Okay. I'm sorry. But I think that um, I think it somewhat it might be related to gender, but I also think it's just um, kind of who you are and how you've been made, but as well as just your situations that you're placed in that cause you to develop your communication style. I think that if you okay. um, are in an open atmosphere where you feel loved and accepted, you're going to be more apt to communicate. And I think if someone's putting you in situations like that that challenge you to do that, uh, that you'll see yourself grow in those ways, whereas I think if you, you know, are in an environment where you either don't feel safe communicating or perhaps you're watching models of communication that aren't healthy, then you're going to have to really fight to overcome some of those things that you've seen. Okay, so that leads me, and before I get into the technology piece of today, because I think a lot of times, at least in my practice as a therapist, we get caught up in, should kids have screens or shouldn't they? And we get very black and white with things. But I've always kind of spoken about the types of people that are in homes or in families have a lot to do with the upbringing of families. So when I get, I always say engineers are my most brutal clients. Engineers are very thought-based. They are process-oriented. They are statistical, analytical. And so whenever I get engineers in my office, and if it doesn't make sense to them, they don't want to do it. And so their interaction is very brief. Engineers to me typically are as few words as possible. They will say what needs to be said. They will... um, They aren't touchy-feely, so they don't really care as much if they hurt my feelings. And I wonder, from your opinion, does the time – and here we are, Nicole. Of course, my wife and I are both therapists, so everything is a feeling in our home, and everybody has a right to express feelings, and we all share, and we all have family meetings all the time and that kind of stuff. So it's an opposite view. Do you think, like I just said, the type of person or parents – that are in a home dictate many times how these kids grow up and how many how many how much communication skill they learn or is it just you know kids are born and they grow up and they're exposed to things but generally speaking one might be a communicator and one might not be I think it's got to be a combination of both because it's interesting when you see families for example I teach families with students you know I'll teach several of their children, and they can be as different as night and day, and they are in the same environment. So um, I'm thinking of two boys right now that I taught one who was very quiet, introverted, very uncomfortable speaking, and then I have the younger one, and he's just an extrovert and just loves it, and it's, I think some of that's just truly who they are. However, mm-hmm. I do think what you're exposed to and the norms of the communication in your home definitely affect how you interact with people. Um, there's just no way it couldn't. And so I guess that's why I feel like, you know, parents a humbling job. You you always know that you're you're really teaching more by who you are rather than what you say. It's it's um you know, your kids are kind of watching you all the time and and they see you when you fail and when you succeed. But I think as far as communication goes, I just want my children, you know, to know that they can tell me anything and receive my unconditional love. And I find that they turn that around and do that for me as well. And they can speak truth into my life too. And especially as my girls have gotten older, they say things to me that truly make me think that probably someone else wouldn't feel comfortable saying. But they love me, they know me, and I accept it because I, you know, I have that kind of relationship with them. So getting back to what you said, I think it's fantastic in your family that you all have that openness, and I admire that completely. Um, I think for some personality types, it's more of a challenge than others. Let me just say, fairly, it's a huge challenge for me as an introvert and a person who would just kind of rather, even though I speak publicly to lots of groups, sometimes I'd rather just like, can we just like stop? But it teaches me a lot to learn how to continue a conversation. And, Nicole, that leads right in for me to 
just basic, let's start with basic texting on phones today because your daughters are how old, did you say? 14 and 18. Okay, 14 and 18. So both in the teenage years, both who've grown up with technology pretty much, right? I mean, 18-year-olds by the time she, Yeah, so with that, even just text messaging as teenagers, I see so many teens today who literally they tell me, I'd really rather not call somebody on the phone. I'd rather just message them and have a conversation with them back and forth about this. And I see a lot of teens who get in, you know, um, these group text exchanges where they're having, you know, whether it's an argument or a discussion about something back and forth for hours Mm -hmm. rather than just picking up a phone and calling somebody. So is that just a sign of the times or is that, is that hurting kids today from actually learning to face somebody and see their expression and go, go with that? Yeah, I think it presents a challenge. I mean, I do. I will say um, I feel like texting is very beneficial in some ways. I, as I've thought about your topic, I've thought about how, how much I love that I can text my college-age daughter and just, you know, kind of what's going on in her world when she just has a minute or how much I love that my sister can share with me funny things my dad said or just, you know, um, I love all that. So I don't think it's an evil by any means, but I think um, I do find with students in particular – I used to give a voicemail assignment uh, in my class where they had to create this announcement and leave it on a voicemail, and then they had a critique sheet where they kind of had a partner, and the partner was supposed to grade their voicemail. And my whole point behind that was that it's very important to leave a clear, well-thought-out, confident voicemail because someday you may need to do that about a job or something important. And we used to always do that as an assignment. And then I started finding in the last few years that kids would rather just take a zero, that it was embarrassing leave a voicemail, and I see that, um, you know, people do tend to avoid the verbal phone call, which, or even just the verbal interaction face-to-face, which is always going to be optimum. I mean, you can't read someone's facial expression. You can't um, know where they're coming from by just a text. So I think it's very advantageous, and I I do use it, um, but I also feel like if you really have a situation that you – need to work through, you really need to have the courage to own up and look at someone because you're going to make a lot more progress and understand one another a lot better if you can see them, if you can, you know, read into the tone of their voice. And and so for teens, I think it's a challenge. They go through a lot of ups and downs and, you know, um, lots of time spent wondering about different texts and what it really meant. And, and that is a challenge, I think, today for them that they face, you know, that's harder than some of what we went through because we didn't have that constant up and down bombardment of the different texts and social media in general. Yeah, okay. So as a speech and communications teacher, would you say youth today growing up, adolescents, teenagers are better speakers, better interactors, better engagers back and forth with people? They're better with people or not? Well, it's hard for me to give a real um, unbiased perspective because keep in mind where I teach um, with prep classes, I teach just fantastic children that really are pretty good at looking an adult in the eye and pretty good at communicating. And so I have a really optimistic view of our youth today. I see them as world changers who, you know, truly are our hope. I mean, I'm encouraged by the things that they say. So I can be Okay, so go outside of that spectrum and then think of just the world. Okay, I'm going to a restaurant. This is where I go. I think I go to a restaurant and I see everybody at the table on their phones. I agree. I was just about to say, I've noticed when I'll walk in a place, um, it's very rare for someone to meet your eyes. They're all, everyone's head is down looking at their phone. And I've definitely been guilty of that myself. I mean, you know, you have a few minutes and rather than find out how someone's doing that you're, you know, checking out with at the store, you're looking down at your message to see what's going on or checking your email. So I think that has changed. Um, I think it is a problem. But um, I guess I just feel, you know, that people have always kind of felt like in society that things are going down. And I really think a lot of it is how you look at it, because I think technology can be very beneficial or it can be harmful. It's just a matter of the amount of time and the ways you choose to use it and, you know, saying to yourself, is this something that's um, the way I'm handling this? Is this bringing glory to God or is this not good? And, you know, because the reality is it's not going to go away. I mean, it's the way that our kids yeah. communicate now. It's the way adults but here, 
here's what I have the the constant um, run in with parents in my office, especially parents of teenagers, because I think this generation of parents today, and, and you and I would fit into that realm, are growing up for the first time with this, and so we we're having to figure out almost. Um, it's almost like law enforcement who has to stay one step ahead of criminals. You know, they're, they're always looking for the next newest way to break in and to, to steal things. And so they have to stay ahead of this. The government has to stay away from terrorists, stay ahead of terrorists. Parents have to stay ahead of their kids because they're learning so much more about technology, Nicole, than the parents are even educated on and ways to be able to stay connected with other people. And some of it's healthy and some of it's not. But my main wonder with that is, is when I see teenagers today, and I see them in an elevator, I see them in a restaurant, I see them in their cars, I see them you know, at a sporting event, whenever there's still time, they tend to reach in their pocket and pull out their phone. Oh, completely. And so I, I mean, I, and I, I've even I, had teens tell me that it is a crutch on purpose. When they feel uncomfortable... Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know what to say to someone or, you know, maybe feel awkward in a new situation, they will purposefully look at their phone because it gives them an out. And so... so what did they used to do? You know, I'm... Like when you I and guess, I grew up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, we maybe used to pay more attention to people. I mean, that is one <laughs> thing that I think is a danger is that I feel like we're... And we've probably always been self-absorbed. That's just the nature of humans. But I do feel like um, rather than look around and think, you know, why does that person look sad today? Or when they, you know, when they answered me, did they really sound like themselves? I think we're more caught up in just spitting out our own information. Hey, let me tell you what I did. Hey, let me, you know, brag on this or that. And I guess what I see is kind of sad is, the um, lack of back and forth, you know, like how are you and what's going on in your world and being able to do that is an important skill. It makes people feel valued. And Okay. So who is that on? Who would you say, like, needs to take the, I don't know, the lead on changing that and, and making us more, I mean, is it parents that, like, hey, because I know the path of least resistance for parents is just avoid it. Yeah. Well, well, I think as a parent, we have to purposefully put our kids in situations where they have to reach outside of themselves. You know, I think um, that might just be something like, no, don't text that. You need to call them up or you need to meet with them and look them in the eye and talk to them about this. And I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable, but that's the right thing to do. Um, I also think as parents, when we have situations where, you know, our kids need to handle something, um, we need to not give them an out and tell them, that will handle it or, you know, that they can just text it. Um, I was just thinking, been thinking on this topic, and just a couple of days ago my daughter and I went in a store and I told her, you know, I said, you take care of this. We were returning something. I said, you take care of this. I'm going to go over here and I'll be back in a minute. Well, you know, I could have easily taken care of it, and that would be, you know, what I would have done when she's younger, but I want her to learn that. I want her to do that. I just think that I don't want to cripple her in any way. And even if she gives me resistance, I feel like it's the right thing. So, right. you know, I think we have to put them in situations where they step outside of themselves. Well, and what about this? Like one of the things that my wife and I try to do is when we go to restaurants is to have our kids order their own food. Mm-hmm. So they learn to look somebody in the eye and, and say, this is what I like and I don't, you know, I, I don't want any onions on my hamburger or, mm-hmm. you know, I want this kind of drink. And it's a very simple, short I wonder today, like, for from your perspective, what parents are lacking, because I think, I'm generalizing here, but I feel like parents today in general are raising a little bit more entitled children where they feel like they have a say-so all the time, and if they don't like something, they can say it however they want, and they're not as worried about hurting people's feelings, or they're also not as worried about kind of what we would call, Nicole, being rude when we grew up, like, you don't, you know, gosh, when we grew up, it's look them in the eye and it's shake their hand and it's yes, sir. And it's, you know, but nowadays, what is it that's missing with parents? Because we can't really blame all the youth uh, Mm -hmm. for them being able to do this. What do parents need to do different that would just be one little step toward better communication skills for their kids? Well, I guess we have to model it. I mean, as as you're saying, um, I think some of that abruptness and that 
just telling it like it is is because of texting and because you can just sort of spit out information quickly and move on. Um, so I guess learning how to be tactful and kind is a, a practice skill for, and, and more difficult for some people than others. But, you know, when you bring up the restaurant, it makes me think that one of the things my parents did that at the time I didn't um, realize was, was so valuable was when we would have lunch, I grew up in a small town where we all kind of knew one another, and my parents would have me walk around and visit with every couple at this restaurant and find out how they were and what was going on in their world and, you know, just practice manners, shake their hand, look them in the eye. And at the time as a teen, I can remember thinking, I, I cared about these people, but I was a teenager, so of course I thought I had important things I needed to go do. And, um, you know, I, that was such good training for growing up and caring about other people. So. I guess as parents, we have to model that. I mean, we have to put down our own phone. We have to not be in such a rush. We have to take the time when we go to a store or a restaurant and compliment great things. You know, they need to see us go the extra mile and tell that manager how fantastic that new employee was or, you know, any of these um, positive attributes that we can show them ourselves. If we're rushed and we're grumpy and we're blunt, we sure can't expect our kids to be any different. And I think, too, you know, when our kids are rude or too blunt, I think that outside of the moment, you know, when we're just privately together, that's a coaching moment. You know, I'm, I know that you probably didn't understand you came across like this or that your face gave this kind of look, but I just want to let you know, you know, that this is how I felt or this is the perception and here might be a better way to handle this the next time. Mm-hmm. And, well, let me and so I guess you. just, you know, working with them. Go ahead. Yeah, because... I. I wonder with communication skills, how much of the time we, um, as parents or parents in today's world, ignore the what our children are doing and we kind of just brush it off as, oh, well, that's kind of their personality. Mm-hmm. And teachers, I think, in your position, see it all the time. I think you also have a much clearer view because you see uh, them in a social environment of what their communication skills, and I do believe teachers, especially with your specialty, can notice who has good communication skills, who doesn't, and also who's shy versus who's not. Like mm-hmm. some kids, um, some kids do have attitudes. Some kids do feel entitled and like they own the world, and some kids are just awkwardly uncomfortable, and so they mm-hmm. act kind of spoiled and like a brat. But it. It's. I think in your position, you probably see a lot more of that. So as parents, like, so you're saying the ground rules of maybe it's time to put up your phone at certain times. Maybe it's time to have a family meeting, which we always talk about here. Family meetings are not this big boardroom where we're discussing rules and law in the house. It's interaction. It's saying, what do you like about how we've been doing things? What do you not like? Um, if you want to do something different than what we already had planned today and you want to talk about it or if somebody's been treating you unfairly, it's just a normal family meeting and conversation. And same with meals, Nicole. Like even at the house, there are many families who the electronics are at the table at the house being used during the meal too or watching a game or a show on TV. Like the meals aren't even at a table and they're at a different room. So would that lead to... All, like you said, the modeling of communication or not? Oh, definitely, I think. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking that you have super ideas that I need to implement myself because just being a speech teacher sure doesn't make you, you know, the person who's always doing things right by any means. Um, I think those are great suggestions. I also just think that, um, again, you know, we it's it's coaching. You know, we have to model what we expect our kids to do, and so when we don't we need to apologize and when we do you know we need to promote that great behavior in in our kids because kids feed off of positive behavior so much more or positive comments so much more than negative and and i um you know i think that when we see a good moment we need to capitalize on it because we get really zoned in on the things we need to fix in our children and i think sometimes we can get overwhelmed and think oh gosh you know i've only got this many years left and I need to make sure that you're, you know, you've got this one, that you've got this down. But I think uh, I've just, you know, flat out had to tell people at times, you know, I'll talk to you when you set your phone down. I don't want to have a back-and-forth conversation while you're kind of halfway there for me. It doesn't make me feel very valued. And so, so let me let me ask you this. Do you remember when cell phones came out and, like, I the do. beginning of cell phones where – 
it was just a joy to be somewhere and call somebody on the phone. Texting wasn't even out at that point. Mm-hmm. It was just calling on the phone. Do you remember? It was like everybody wanted to be able to call somebody on the phone. Okay, then text messaging comes out, and we can start, you know, sending text messages. But remember, those costed per text. It was not cheap, and you had to be very careful about what you sent, and you only could, you know, it was hard to type on the keyboard because it wasn't <laughs> like it is now, you know, and you had to really – but it became it went from phone calls to text messaging now to you know basically many computers and social media which are the apps and the the pictures and the videos and the snapchat and the instagram and all the things that kids do today at what point do you think it started to negatively affect or impact teenagers or youth ability to communicate. In other words, it changed who they are. That makes sense. Or did it? It almost seems like when you reach that point in your family where you feel like your child is old enough to get these things, you know, to have the phone, to have all the different means, it almost seems like that's where the challenges come in because all of a sudden that instant access all the time uh, to communication changes things up. So, um, I think it. a lot of it depends on the personality type, too. Like some kids are able to sort of use that as a tool and use it to be helpful and connect with people but disengage when they need to and do what they need to do. Other kids, I think it just consumes them, and so that's where, you know, we have to guide them. Um, I think that, I don't know, I guess having two teenagers, it almost seems like once they do have that, access it's inevitable you're going to fight those battles and it's going to inevitable that it's going to be a struggle with the communication and i wish that you know there's a side of you that wishes you could just say well let's just avoid that but you you really can't in today's society well and also like you said once you i've noticed with families once you go one step it's almost like you can't go backwards once they get introduced to have a phone it's very hard to go without the phone once they get to use different social media it's hard to pull back from that it kind of goes as a push in one direction and then they get exposed to the world and that's been my biggest thing uh, from the therapy field is youth today are getting exposed to more it's not so much that there's as much um craziness going on and dangerous like i did a show on dangerous teenage trends that when we grew up there were still people doing crazy dangerous things as teenagers but now like car surfing and things like that but now it's all over youtube and it's all over social media and so kids are exposed to it which leads more to be pulled into it and i think kids i've had many teenagers nicole tell me i can say on social media or through texting, what I can't say to people in person. And that could be sharing feelings as well as um, being more bold and brazen and sometimes mean than they would face-to-face. So I can see the good and the bad, meaning I can share my feelings with you through texting the way I'm uncomfortable in person, but I also could hurt your feelings worse that way. So it could go either way. Which is such a challenge for all of them growing up in that because adolescence already has so many ups and downs and it's so tough when, you know, someone does or doesn't like your things and all the different stuff that goes into that. It's a whole new dimension of um, being able to be comfortable with yourself. I mean, I think that, I mean, we all went through that in high school wondering who we were and, you know, what was our purpose and did we really fit in and all these kind of things. But I think our kids have it way harder which is why I just think we have to, as parents, instill in them their worth and their identity in Christ and just love on them unbelievably. I hate to ride the fence on this, too, uh, piggybacking on that, that uh, you know, playing both sides, but it, it is true that there's technology can be very helpful for some kids to learn to communicate. I have had uh, teenagers text me, clients of mine text me when I'm not seeing them in my office and share very good quality, vulnerable feelings about their life or their frustration or their sadness or their anger that they couldn't always do face-to-face with me, but they feel safe enough to do it outside of the room. And then I've had teenagers who have been just ruthless and mean and bullying and, and taunting 
to other kids and use social media in such a horrible way. So I hate to be in the middle, but it does seem like with technology, sometimes it's actually a help for kids to learn how to communicate, and sometimes it could be a hurt. I'm with you completely. I have students often, you know, I've actually probably have multiple emails or, you know, texts a week from students about mainly typically just assignments and things, but every now and then, you know, they'll text me something to pray about or think about, and then sometimes on papers they'll even write things in the midst of a paper that will really be revealing about what they're going through. And and I always appreciate when they feel comfortable enough to share that with me, and I recognize that particularly today it would be very hard for them to walk up and look me in the eye and say, hey, Mrs. Dayton, you know, I'm really struggling because my dad lost his job and I think we're about to move and I don't want to move and I'm so scared, you know, but if they write it, or they text or email me, I feel so privileged that they trusted me with their feelings. So um, I think it is fantastic in some ways. I just think a lot of that just goes back to, you know, what is my goal in this communication I'm sending out? Am I going to bless people and benefit them? Or if I received this, would this make me feel good? Mm -hmm. Uh, And just thinking, you have to really stop and think before you send an email or a text, which is not really um, probably the popular mode of, interacting but you really do because right. sometimes you accidentally come across way differently than you expect to so yeah yeah i've got a caller i want to go to but before i do i want to ask you in your speech class would you is that a goal of speech class let's say with adolescents or teenagers to have them learn to express some type of feeling or is that too much and want them to learn to communicate, or is it just about appropriate speaking techniques to people? Oh, no. I spend all kinds of time teaching them how to be better communicators. I mean, I try. That's my goal. Um, We do all kinds of assignments, but my whole underlying goal always is that when they would leave the class, whatever setting they're placed in, they would be more prepared. You know, we go out and do job interviews. We do group activities. We, you know, do interpersonal things. I'm... I guess I'm always looking at it like if this is the one speech class you took, I want you to know that, you know, being a better communicator is going to benefit you everywhere, no matter what your profession or situation or family life is. So That's good, learning how to share as a group. But I'm going to go to a quick end, Nicole, and get right back to you. Mary, I have Mary on the air. Mary, you got a question? Or... Mary, you there? Mary, can you hear me? Nope, seems like I lost her. Well, I get to go back to Nicole because... Nicole, are you there? Okay, Nicole, are you there? Yes, I am. Sorry, somehow that did. Here's my thought. I had a client 15 years ago. Listen to this story. Now, this was 15 years ago, which was kind of right at the advent of... There were cell phones, but not as much text messaging, and he had moved down to Houston away from his father to live with his uncle. And things weren't good at home, so his dad kind of shipped him down here. And he really got into a lot of back-and-forth fighting with his dad through email, you know, like, you sorry, no good. You know, they were just back-and-forth with cuss words and everything with each other. So bring in an email to me that he sent, and bring in, I'll send it, bring it to me. So he brought it in, and I sat down, and I read the uh, email and I took my pen and I wrote his um I, I took out the curse words and I took out some of the messages and rewrote them the way I thought his dad was trying to say it and then I refunds my client the way I thought he was trying to say it. And I said, Now read these and he said, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I wanted to say to him. Like how you worded that. And now I understand what he's trying to say to me. And I said, because of the the feelings y'all have that get in the way and you have to throw all these crazy words at each other and get mad at each other, you lose sight of such as being sent. So one thing you can learn, it's kind of like your speech class teaching on this, how you communicate reading text messages and making sure this is what you want to say really is value teaching people to reread their emails before they send them and just make sure is coming across the way that you want to. I think today's youth, Nicole, spend so much time just instantly sending, sending, Mm -hmm. sending, tweeting, 
sending something out on Instagram, sending a, a group text message and not thinking before they act. Oh, I'm sure that that's true. And I think what you did was fantastic. I mean, what a great uh, way to take all that baggage out and get the real message across. So, yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's just wise for all of us to stop, slow down a little before we put out a verbal or a, you know, nonverbal message and, and whatever we we do, you know, we don't want to harm others. So um, mm. probably just a good reminder to ourselves and our kids all the time to slow down before you send that, particularly with sensitive things like what you're describing. I mean, obviously, yeah. if we're just talking about our day. We're not going to analyze everything to death. Right. But, you know, things that matter, sure. I mean, it kind of goes back to, you know, when you're doing a special resume or letter for something that's important to you, you would always get a second opinion. Hey, does this look, does this represent me? You know, does this look like what I want to put out there? And and that's kind of the same way with things that are tough or sensitive. Because sometimes we think we communicate in a way we don't. You know, we we don't understand that maybe we come across a certain way because we are ourselves. You know, we don't see it. Right. Right. Okay. I think I've got Mary back on the air. Nicole, I'll be right back. I want to get for Kim. Mary, Mary. Yes. You are. Okay, Mary. Go ahead. Are you there? Yes, say. I am. Go for uh, it. I'm, okay, I'm a grandmother, and in my generation, our communication was basically face to face or by the telephone. And now I see kids these days using all forms of social media for communicating. Uh, for instance, I have one, one grandchild that calls me on the telephone. I have another grandchild that texts me. So what I would like to know, what I'm interested in knowing, if you feel like that, what the difference uh, is in the communication we did in my generation versus the way they're communicating today, if you see if they'll have any, what the effect might be on the kids today on their communication skills and ability. Yeah, that's interesting. Hold on, Mary, because I'm going to come back to you, but I want to ask Nicole that, first of all, too. And if you want to call in real quick to ask her a question, remember, it's 347-838-9737. 347-838-9737 and push the number one. Nicole, how about that question from Mary that she has two grandchildren doing two different forms of communication with her, one that actually likes to call her on the phone and one that is kind of more of a texter. Doesn't mean it's good, doesn't mean it's bad, but there are some kids who communicate different ways. So is it the way they're – is it what they're using to communicate, voice versus text, or is it their ability to communicate feelings and thoughts and – you know, have a good, healthy conversation. You know, I guess what I would say is just thank God they both want to communicate with her in whatever way they're doing. Um, you know, that's a blessing that they want to keep that relationship open. Um, you know, it's always a good thing to just be honest with people. So if you feel like you'd like a phone call every now and then, rather than just texting, you could always say, you know, I'm so grateful you text me and I love keeping up with your life, but I'd love to hear your voice too. That really warms my heart. But I think the fact that they're reaching out in any way, um, particularly with the tools that they have today, because that is how kids communicate today, then that's a great thing. I think the the danger is when they don't, when they just stick to themselves all the time and don't share anything. And I think if we're critical of the way they do share, they're going to be less apt to share. So, you know, I... I, Do you think... I want to ask Mary this question, too, because she's on hold, but do you think kids have trouble or young adults have more trouble today getting a job than they did, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago? Or do you think it's about the same as it was back then? In terms of job interview, face-to-face, communication, that kind of thing. Right. Um, Again, Tom, you know, I take my students on job interviews. That's one of our big units we do where I have them do that and get critiqued. And so, but as far as other kids today, um, you know, I do hear things from people like that they think that the youth today seem kind of entitled. Um, but I personally, um, I guess I've just been really blessed to be around a lot of super kids that I think I'd give a job to any one of them. I mean, I I, um, I don't see things as dismal and negative. I think that, I don't think the kids today are any worse at communicating than the adults today. I think adults, we're all doing the same thing. We're all struggling with this amount of 
technology we've allowed into our lives. So I don't really think it's fair to pin it off on the children. I think we're, I see adults, you know, out when I'm at places looking at their phones or having a hard time too. So I, I think it's just a problem in general. Yeah, let me pull Mary back in on this conversation. Mary, when you got a job as a grandparent, which was a while ago, and you got a job, what was the presentation for you of, okay, you've got to go on an interview, you've got to present a resume or something that says something about yourselves, and how did you have to present yourself and how did you have to speak? Well, you had to be uh, attire-wise, you know, you had to be dressed appropriately, uh, Speech-wise, they would ask you the questions, and basically they wanted answers back from you. So you had mm-hmm. to be very complete in your answers, or they'd come keep coming back to you on that question. It was normally a fairly short interview. They pretty much knew what they were going to ask. So you really needed to be prepared to know what you were there for, what the job mm-hmm. was, who you know, that type of deal. I think that's the biggest thing you had. When you went into the interview, you were prepared, you know, for what might possibly be asked. Well, and here's what I want to say about that to both of you, Nicole and Mary, that I think youth today, and please don't see me as having a negative view on society, but I do think teenagers today don't care as much about how they present themselves, about how they dress, and about how they appear to other people as they did when I grew up. I was taught under that same system of the way you look matters and the way you present yourself matters. But I see that. Nicole, are you seeing that, or do you, am I seeing something different? No, I think I think you're probably um, expressing something that's accurate. And, again, I just think that's uh, a matter of training. I mean, when we do job interviews, I tell them point blank, this is how you need to dress, this is what you need to do, this is whether or not this is fair or not, this is the impression you're going to make. Um, based on these things, and, um, you know, I think that, yeah, I think I think things are probably more casual, um, and so I think just teaching them and exposing them to things, because they do want to present themselves well. I mean, they want to show who they are on the inside, and unfortunately, that's just, you know, the outside reflects that as well. Whether it's right or not, I wouldn't, I can't say, but it's, it is important, so... I think and I, I do want to, yeah, and I want to weigh in on this because this will piggyback that. Today's world, and Mary, you could speak to this. The it's like there's a 24-hour clock going, and in today's world, people dress. They dress down. Remember, you know, 20 years ago, it was wearing a suit to work. It was an eight-to-five job, five days a week. Well, now there are people who wear jeans to work. There are people who are more casually dressed. Some work from home. Some work in their car. Some work on different days and different hours, and and we get used to a whole different society today, Mary, than when you grew up, and it was the standard workday, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, nothing. It was structured, the hours what they what they were, you know, and there was no deviation from that. These are the clothes you will wear. I went through the whole pants suit thing when they decided pants suit came in. We couldn't wear those, you know. You got to wear your your basic, I mean, and even on, I remember on hours, like I wanted to try when I went into rescheduling hours, you know, so you could work at home a little bit or come in later, get early, when I was told, no, we're not going to do that, structured hours. So it's all been an evolving thing, but it was very structured when I worked. Yeah, and also, Nicole, for you, speech and communication of just youth growing up today and having having relationships with people at work, having a boss that they work for. I do think sometimes technology can cripple people to where they are tied to it, and it's hard for them to go to work and do their job and focus on what they're creating or building or selling instead of being attached to the outside world 24-7 with the latest news and events. And and, and I don't know if it's... If we do, like you said in the beginning of the show, Nicole, I don't know if we listen as much to each other. No, of course. I think what you said is just a genuine challenge for all of us. I mean, I even feel it. I guess I feel it in the sense that, you know, used to as a teacher, I could kind of wrap things up and walk away and know that for that day I had wrapped it up. And now, you know, if I don't look at my email till the next day, I might have had multiple people wondering why I'm not following through on something. And and you know, so that weighs on you. So you you feel the um, 
important, you know, it, it presses on you that you need to take care of that and look at that. And so I think it kind of adds to our stress level for all of us. Um, and so it's a discipline for all of us to be able to focus on the task at hand. It's it's way more of a challenge because there's so many other things going on that we feel like we've got to check on and keep up with. So, yeah, I think I think that's true. I think that's hard. Um, and I think that's sometimes what keeps us too busy to listen to other people. But, you know, I have never found in my life that when I've stopped and looked someone in the eye and asked them how they were and really spent time, you know, caring about how they were, I've never found that to be a waste of my time. You know, I've always found that to be something God spoke to me through, and and I just think it's a it's a choice. We have to kind of set aside all the things we think we have to do or take care of for that moment. Be where you are when you're there, you know, wh- whatever that is. And when it comes to parents, like I want you to be able to speak to the parents a little bit because you do educate and have educated so many youth in today's world. And Mary, thanks for calling in because that that was the perfect insight, you know, of, of two generations ago as a grandparent and listening. Nicole, you can imagine back in the old days of wearing the suit and going to work, much more businesslike. And these are the rules and you follow them. Well, now there's flex days, there's flex schedules, there's you know, it, it, you can't tell if somebody's at work or not when you kind of go out into the street because and it doesn't mean they're not good at their job. It just means we've kind of let those things go. And I, I say the same, Nicole, for teenagers who are dating, that a young man, you know, drives up to the house. He gets out of the car. He goes up to the house. He knocks on the door. You know how many people today, the the guy drives up to the front of the street, honks the horn, and the girl goes out and hops in the car? Like, yeah. It's just, and that's basic communication. Like, go in, talk to the parents. You say hi, you ask questions, you learn. But, Nicole, that's really what's happening. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I could be sounding like old school, but I think a lot of times if in today's world, if we let teenagers dictate the rules, then they will do what they're comfortable doing, not what they're, uh, what's best to do. And so oh, that's of course. We were like that, that too. Modeling. I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, we had to yeah, be so forced to do the things we didn't want to do as teenagers <laughs> very often, so, I think. And that kind of led into the beginning when I was asking you about my, my feeling with parents today being a little bit more, I guess, enabling, um, allowing kids to be a little bit more entitled just because we want for them to have the best life possible. And um, a, a lady told my wife once, um, I just want my kids to be happy. And... Jill said, I think what you really are trying to say or what I would offer to you is for them to be well-adjusted, not so much always happy. And so if they're well-adjusted, then they they deal with life's problems. But, Nicole, warning signs for parents. Things that you see or you would see in, say, a teenager or even a youngster that they are – they are not getting the basics of interaction, communication, of learning how to deal with other people. Um, and, you know, either technology is kind of wrapping them up or, or also they're not learning the social skill of just how to interact. And I see it in class and that they don't know how to, you know, communicate and go back and forth with other kids. Do you, Can you think of any warning signs? It's like it may be time to put this, this girl or guy in a social skills group or or get mm-hmm. some extra help with, with speech and communication so that they can do that. Yes, I would say when you see a lot of mood swings based on, you know, their time on social media, whether someone comments or posts, and and when you see them stop wanting to really be around people and just zone in on their virtual world, um, you know, sometimes you can look in kids' eyes and just see no one's home. I mean, they. I think about a boy I taught one time that I just worried. I felt like when I talked to him, I would never reach him, and, found out he played video games all night, every night, you know, before he came to class. So I think um, when their phone and all of this becomes such an extension of them that they can't even visit or interact with others when they're present, then, you know, it's time to look at that, that amount of time, and time to encourage them to spend some time with real people and and maybe just try to be there for them, you know, when they process through whatever it is that's on their mind because we don't really know because they're getting messages all the time. And I try you know really what? hard, you know, not to overreact. I think as parents, right. oh, and don't get me wrong, I do. You know, at times I'll say things <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have said. But, 
you have to really be conscious, especially with teens, that when they if they're going to make themselves vulnerable to you and they're going to share something bad or good, you need to really, really think about how you handle that. Because if you overreact, they're going to shut it down and they're not going to do that with you anymore. Yeah, that's a perfect thing, and and you've said it the entire hour about just connection and relation, coming back to each other, looking each other in eye to eye, and spending time with each other. That's not just uh, on a screen and um, I, I was going to say this at the beginning. I cannot believe this hour has flown by. We've just got a couple minutes left. but And hopefully you'll be back on again and I can do a different show, part two of this, because I was going to say it seems like as kids grow up, let's just say under six years old, that a lot of parents use technology as a babysitter for them and a chance for them to be distracted and to to be entertained while they, and that could be in a car, that could be at home while they need to get dinner cooked or something done. So technology could be a good and a bad with that. And then as teenagers, I think a lot of parents today, technology becomes an avoider. And so parents end up text messaging their children in their own house uh, messages back and forth because it's easier and we don't actually have that face-to-face uh, interaction as much anymore. So I think, you know, it, have you seen as a teacher that we go from this babysitter mentality uh, with technology into, well, sometimes this technology can help teenagers avoid having to face people? Oh, sure. Yes. They, like I said, they're, it's very awkward and uncomfortable for a lot of teens to, you know, have to verbally look someone in the eye and talk to them and do things like that. But um, I guess since that's kind of what I'm all about, I mean, I kind of feel like that's my mission. Yeah. I just go for it and do it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I put them okay, in situations so like that constantly. So um, I want to ask you direct questions and see if you can actually give me direct answers. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but should sure. phones be put up at night? I think a lot of that depends on the child. Um, I don't think that phones should be accessed all through the night, but I do think there are some children that just can put their phone on their dresser and go to bed. And I think there's other children that might be tempted all through the night to look at it, and I think you know your child. I, I think every family, you know, they have their own set of rules, and they know their kids, and they also have to work within the realm of what they're comfortable with. So in some families, things are really concrete and spelled out at a certain age, this is how we do it, and then in other families, you know, not so much, and I think that um, we just have to recognize God's equipping each family for what they need to do, so I can't really come out with a hard and fast, you know, answer on that, because I really do think it depends on the situation. Should parents monitor their kids' phone use, social media, texting, all of it? I do think so, yes. Okay, so are there some kids that, like you mentioned, video games, cell phones, social media apps, that this is actually, uh, I've even said to parents, this is an allergy for your child. Every time they use it, or it's like an addiction, every time they use it, it turns them into a different person, and it's not good for them, which means this might not be something they should have. And so you're asking me if if that's true, if I feel that that's the case for some kids? Could it be that that, um, technology is an allergy to some? Oh, sure. I Again, I think you have to assess that um, and kind of watch your child and think through it. I just think the, the, I guess the tricky thing and the dangerous thing is, you know as well as I do, that anything that we're super over-the-top forceful about, we sometimes can get the um, adverse outcome. So that's why, you know, like I said, it'd be just super to say, hey, we're just going to all completely get rid of all this technology and just focus on one another and talk and share and play board games. And, yeah. and sure, there's times for that, but in today's world, we can't avoid this issue. It's a, it's a, it's the way everyone communicates now. So, um, you know, yeah, I just think it takes a lot of wisdom. Well, Nicole Dayton, it has been an unbelievable hour. It's flown by. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and, Uh, giving all the wisdom you've given. You've been awesome. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate everything you have to share and, um, you know, just grateful to have the time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That's Nicole Dayton, a great show with great information, y'all. If you want to hear this again, you can go to the iTunes store, and if you search under Tom Stevens, 
you will find my name and you'll find the list of shows and this will be one of them. Or you can go to my website at tomstevens.us. Or lastly, just go to blogtalkradio.com slash LPC and you will find it all. You can get an app at the App Store under my name also that will have everything included. I want to thank everybody for listening today. Stay tuned for the next show. Until then, go out there and make it a great day and have some unbelievable communication with your children in the world. Goodbye.